You're listening to the Horsefest podcast with the founders of Horsefest. I'm Thea. And hello, this is Heidi. Each podcast is dedicated to you and your passion for everything horse. We'll be speaking to elite riders, equestrian experts and special guests, all focused on bringing you inspiration, insights and learning in a way that our horse tribe will enjoy. In today's podcast, we're very excited to talk to Susie D'Ambrosio. That was good, wasn't it? And she's from Susie's School of Horsemanship. Susie describes herself as someone who uses natural horsemanship for practical purposes. Her work is all about understanding how your horse thinks. Oh, I wish they could speak there as well. How your horse thinks, feels and learns and then working out what it needs from you to be able to complete the task you want it to complete. Now, Susie is another amazing expert who will be sharing her knowledge at the Horse Fest Festival next summer. Woohoo! Woo! <laughs> And also through some online learning sessions for our membership group, Horse Drive. So Susie, welcome to the Horses Podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And just as a, a note on that, I really don't want to know what my horse is actually thinking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, just, I'm just going to leave that comment with you and I'm going to leave. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. Lovely to have you on this sunny summer evening. Um, so, Susie, we love our listeners to get to know our experts. Um, so, first of all, tell us about your passion for horses and where it all started. Well, I think I started the way that a lot of people did when I was kind of under the age of five, and I was so obsessed with horses. And I would go to the riding school. Like my mum had the best free childcare all summer and like all weekends because she just dropped me off. And and my sister as well. We were both really into horses and she'd just drop us off at the stables and we'd stay there and we'd like we'd work. So the stables got free labor. Right? <laughs> it was okay then, right? <laughs> and we'd stay there all day and she'd pick us up in the evening. And we'd be dirty and wet and hay in our hair and we'd be so happy just so that we could get near a pony and um you know we had weekly riding lessons as well and I used to be I was that little girl that used to lean on the back of the sofa every time I heard the clip clop of horse hooves coming past and I had this wild fantasy in my head like, and I was telling someone about this the other day uh, this wild the people occasionally used to ride past the house and I used to have this fantasy that one day like one of the women on one of these beautiful horses the horse would be like playing up if you like in the road and they'd come and knock on the door and say we need someone to come and sort this horse out and I'd go out and I'd sort it out and gallop off into the distance on it <laughs> but that's not the reality is it they didn't want me anywhere near their horse <laughs> but I've always been obsessed with horses I had a reputation when I was younger for being obsessed with horses I just wanted to be around them just the smell of them the feel of them just being close to them was all I ever wanted to do. Yeah, I've got lots and lots of pics from when I was little of, of me holding sugar lumps out to various horses that are like, well, I, well you got sugar, so I'll come and talk to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely obsessed, completely. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh, sorry. Yeah, so tell us about your, your horse ownership. You know, what horses have you had yourself over, over your okay. lifetime? Yeah. So we couldn't afford for me to have my own pony when I was younger. So I actually bought my first horse at the age of 24, which was Del Boy, who I've still got now. 
And I learned very quickly that riding horses and owning horses was a very different experience. Mm. <laughs> riding riding school horses and having my own were very different. And I bought Dell and it was just like everything you're told not to do. I bought the first horse I saw, right? He had four legs, a mane and a tail, and he was perfect. He was scared <laughs> of his own shadow. I got on him and he bucked me all the way around the arena, right? And I went, they said, how much is it? <laughs> I said, how much is he? They told me it was quite a high price. And I just went, I'll take right <laughs> <laughs> I had the money for him they let me pay in installments for him you know and all the rest of it but I was just in love with him and I just rem- and I just remember having him and he was just the most perfect thing in the world and within six months of having him I was ready to pen the for sale advert he was dangerous he was terrified of life he would bolt with me head first into traffic he would um trample me when I was leading him out he was really bad not really bad for the ferry but I remember one day actually um I had they made me have him on a two-week trial before I took him home um because he was quite a niche pony and I remember taking him into the wash box to hose his feet off and he reared up straight up and landed on my head and they went yeah we just don't do that he was like jumping the like the slow signs in the road you know stuff like that and he would just stand in his field and he'd be out like, spooking at everything he was a bugger for changing sorry am I to say bugger right <laughs> for changing the dog. So they, like, they said it in four weddings and a funeral so I think we're okay, okay. He, was a bugger <laughs> for he was a little tease and he did like you know change his rug in the field anything that flapped or near him his eyes were on stalks the whole time and I am of, of an anxious disposition anyway and it was just it was just like a downward spiral and I used to like talk other people into feeding him I used to make every excuse not to go to the yard I couldn't even go in the field with him I just used to look at him and go isn't it beautiful I'm going home will you feed him for me right and I used to do a lot of that and I would avoid doing anything with him and then um one day I was at I I was at the yard and there were a couple of ladies there and then that all changed you know they were doing stuff that was a little bit different and I was showing some interest in that and um there there were two ladies and I, I remember the I remember the the ladies I remember the horses really well that's bad and I remember the ladies were a mother and daughter duo and I remember that the daughter was a police officer and I, to this day I still can't fully remember their names and I haven't been able to get in contact with them to tell them where I am now from what they started me with and they were doing all this stuff with like ropes and sticks and weird stuff from the ground and I was like what are you doing and they're like we're doing natural horsemanship and I was like what's that so they spent like half an hour showing me and I was like still don't know what you're doing (laughs) but I was obsessed and they lent me a learning pack and I went away and I just became immersed in this whole world of learning about horse psychology and behavior and um you know and and things changed for me and Dell it was incredible and you know so many I think that was 2007 and in 2014, along came Regalo, who's the horse that you see on my page a lot. He's the red and white cob. He is like, you know, pretty much the love of my life. He's he's an incredible horse, but he's so different to Dell. And it's just been a whole amazing journey. So I've still got the two of them. I've still got Dell. He's 22 now and he's fully retired. And Regalo is seven. So oh wow. Yeah. So I, I'm just absolutely loving, loving spending my life with horses. <laughs> I just, I really hope that 
they listen to this or somehow they see you at horse fest or hey. and you find wouldn't that be incredible oh, yes it would i would really really love and i think they had like i can't remember i remember the horses names okay so the horses names were amber and genie and amber was a chestnut mare and genie was like a dark liver bay and she had a white stripe on her face and she was only three years old and they backed to using natural horsemanship and those are the horses i remember the horses and if i could ever find those people i'm so grateful for this path that they started me on really yeah. great because it was it was a tiny little yard that i was at between kidderminster and worcester it's at ombersley mm. between kidderminster and worcester and it was just a guy's back garden he had some paddocks so there was only five liveries there so if if you're watching this if you're like at horse fest or you're seeing this anywhere i'm so grateful to you ladies oh, <laughs> that's amazing. amazing yeah it really started you off on this passion yeah. so so you, um, oh, I was going to ask about. Uh, go now, on. I was good with your surname, but tell me your uh, current horse's name. Uh, his name is Regallo. Regallo, Regallo. <laughs> yeah, Which Regallo. Means, uh, it's Italian for gift. Ah, so, and, and is he a gift? What do, What are you doing? Was, yeah, what are you doing now with him? So Regallo was. Um, so so my as I gone through all this stuff with Dell and I'd taken him from like really being like t my first my first goal with with him was to be able to lead him from the stable to the field without feeling like I was going to die that was it and that was an achievement and then it just um it just moved on and by the end of when we were in our heyday we were riding bareback and bridleless and by bridleless I don't mean in just a whole time I mean with nothing on his head at all this horse that used to bolt with me head first into traffic and there I am controlling him with my ass and my energy right <laughs> so I've <laughs> done it again right <laughs> And it was just amazing having this connection with this horse. And I was like, I really want a baby that has hooves. And um, it was just so, it was just such a, a matter of circumstance. So a friend of mine, she had bought a mare from a dealer. And within a couple of months, I'm not sure what the gestation period, that's really bad. I'm not sure what the gestation period is for a horse. But anyway, that she bought this mare. And um, the mayor, she had a phone call the one day, April Fool's Day, which is so ironic because that's Regalo's character all over. She had a phone call from the yard owner saying, we've just pulled a foal out of your horse. Um, so she had to buy one, get one free. Oh, wow. And then it was about eight weeks later, um, I'd been on jury duty and I got released early and I was at the yard and I was talking to her. And she said, well, when we sell the foal, I was like, when you sell the foal, <laughs> like, why are you selling the foal? And she was like, I haven't got time for a baby, Suze. And I was like, can I have the foal? Like, how much would you sell me the foal for? And she gave me a price and I um, I went away and actually I, like my ex-husband and I was like, can I have a foal for Christmas? I know it's July, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, right? And we went through all this and I ended up having uh, having this horse and um they'd called him William to begin with and I was going to change his name and I went over all sorts but the only thing that came to me was Regalo because he was a gift he was a gift to his mare he was a gift to me he's and he's continued to be a gift really there are other names that I call him now and it's not <laughs> 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 right. but um so I've taken him from I've, so I've been in his life since he was born he was born at the yard that I'm at now um and I was at the yard for I've been at the yard for since 2008 really and so I was there when he was born um and I and at eight weeks old he was mine and the owner of the mare she used to let me go down into the field and play with him while he was with his mare uh, with his mum and his mum she used to see me arriving she'd go 
oh yes, the babysitter's coming and she'd just go to the other end of the field and she'd just leave me with this super playful, super rambunctious little foal. And I remember standing there and I was like, oh my goodness, what have I done? Am I ready for this? Like, am I good enough for this baby? And I just went onto Facebook and she'd updated her Facebook saying, oh, William has a new mummy, Susie D'Ambrosio. I was like, oh, I've got a fall. They're <laughs> 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 on the internet. So everything that he, everything that um, he's been through, he's always, he's only ever been with me. I've backed him myself and everything. And he's a great reflector of my horsemanship. So everything that's brilliant about him is because of me. And anything that's really crap about him is also because of me. (laughs) 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 And he's incredible. I love him so much. He's such a different horse to Del. And it's Mm. just, he's just a wonderful creature. And how how old is Regalo now? He's seven. Only seven. Okay, he's I love seven, the age. Seven. Yeah, yeah, he was seven on April Fool's Day, so I was like, oh. "That's about appropriate." <laughs> he's such a comedian. <laughs> Bless him. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> and uh, do you do it? Do you compete with him, or do you do you just I have it for fun? Yeah, I'm non-competitive. I'm a bit multidisciplinary. Um, in that I like to do a little bit of everything hacking and jumping are kind of the things that I like to do for me Regalo really loves liberty work because he loves he's such a he's just his own horse altogether and he finds the ropes of victory much of a restriction um, so <laughs> he's like well you know and connecting with a horse at liberty as well it's just amazing and the, the difference between um Del and Regalo is Del is what I call a right brain horse so he operates naturally on the fear side of the brain so the fear response reaction and Regalo is a left brain horse so he's partnership thinking confidence side of the brain and Del when you've got a fear-based animal or a horse that works on the fear side of the brain quite a lot it's um you can kind of manipulate them a lot easier than you can those left brain kind of horses because they you they're very um people pleasing and um just malleable and they just want to do the right thing all the time so you can push or rush or force those kind of horses but a horse like regalo if he's doing something with you it's got to be because he wants to do it and if he's doing it because he wants to do it it means you've got it right and that is such a huge compliment for a horse like that so um at the moment I don't get to be as consistent with him as I like. I don't get to do as much with him as I like because I'm teaching an awful lot. But really, I just enjoy my horse. I'm a non-competitive person, but we do some pretty incredible things at home. I use him for my training stuff. I use him for demos. And um, I just enjoy enjoy my pony. Oh, that's what they're all about. Yeah, exactly. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. And you haven't always worked with horses, though, have you? What's your career background and, and how did it, how'd you end up where you are? So my career background, uh, it, well, it started off a little bit, but it started off in engineering. But actually, for the longest time of my career, I've been in pharmacy. So I was high level. I was an accuracy checking technician. So I used to, I was like one below the pharmacist and I used to check the prescriptions. Um, but through what I was doing in pharmacy, I my specialist areas were mental health, um, domestic violence, substance misuse, all those kind of like the sticky subjects, you know, and that was what I was really interested in and and helping traumaed people. And I myself am a traumaed person. I've had a history of abuse in my past as well. And Del really, um, as challenging as he was, he came into my life and he showed me what I needed to change in me and he healed me. So when when I know that other people are going to, this is going to resonate with other people when an animal has saved you, Del saved me like he really did. And there was no, all of this 
all of my past that I had, I couldn't put onto him because he was the reason, I was the reason he was bolting in traffic. I was the reason he was spooking and running. I, he was bolting with me in traffic and he was trying to get away from me. He just didn't know how I was keeping up. He was like, I'm trying to get away from her. She's so anxious. Like, take me with you. And he's like, I don't want it. So, so um, my specialist area has always been around the mental health, confidence, anxiety, depression, that sort of thing. I've suffered with those things heavily myself as well. And that kind of feeds into what I was doing. So alongside pharmacy, I was doing, I was learning about horse psychology and behavior. And really, when you start on a horsemanship journey, you, you're not just doing it for the horse. You're not just doing it to make the horse do what you want. You really go on a self-development journey. And out the other end of it came this beautiful butterfly of my new self. <laughs> and um, and what, I, what I give now to people is I'm not just giving horsemanship I'm not just giving them the ability to connect with their horses but also I'm part counselor part therapist part sometimes I have to heal the person before and it's something completely unrelated to horses the reason why they've got confidence or anxiety issues and I'm healing those people with all of those years of knowledge and experience that I have working with those people that then comes into my work as well so it's kind of an all-encompassing anxiety and confidence management for you and your horse and let's have some fun and gin in the meantime as well (laughs) (laughs) excellent excellent so um so you so you I guess you so you learned your craft probably from your background from your reading um and then and putting it all together and practicing with um Del and Regalo I guess yeah it's um you really like I started in a horsemanship program. I think when people um, go down a natural horsemanship route, they go down one of two routes. They either go down Monty Roberts or Pirelli. And I went down Pirelli. Please don't judge me for it. I went down, <laughs> I went down Pirelli route. Um, that's, that's the way that I went. And it was as I was, I really wanted to be, it revolutionized the way that I was with Dell. They make a really palatable format for learning, especially about the horse psychology and behavior stuff. And I really wanted to be an instructor for them. And as I came through the latter stages of their program, there were things that once, when I was starting, I didn't know anything and they were teaching me everything that I knew. And then as my knowledge started to come and I was starting to see things and everybody would just hand me their horses all the time. I got to play with loads of horses at the yard, you know, because we were like, just see what you can do with mine and see what you can do with mine. And um, I started to question things. I started to question things about the things that they were teaching. And um, I'm not saying that either route is a is a bad route. If you really want to learn, they make some really good um, palatable information for learning. But actually, the most that I've learned is since I've stepped away from that altogether. And I've just listened to the horse. And there are things that now that I know that I was taught that I don't actually believe to be true anymore. And really, everything that I'm teaching now is pretty much just me. Like, it's authentic me. It's me spending day after day like you know thousands of hours with horses now working with everybody's horses in all different disciplines and aspects and ages breeds and genders and spotting things that I've never been taught and I've never seen written about anywhere there are things there are concepts that I have developed which are purely just mine you know that I have come to this conclusion of and I've researched it and I've tried to find other people that have come up with this and they haven't and then I've mentioned it to other horsemanship people and they're like oh my goodness well that makes so much sense you know and they've gone away and they're playing with it now and as well and it's incredible I'm definitely a student of the horse now. Mm. Well that links nicely into it'd be really nice to get just a few examples of the sorts of problems that people come to you with and and how you 
work on finding the right, the most authentic and the, and the best solution for that horse? Yeah, the, um, the kind of problems that I work with is it's anything behavior based. So um, we've spoken before about loading. Loading is my favorite thing to do with horses. It's my specialist subject. I can have <laughs> any horse self-loading by itself, you know, standing quietly and shutting in, you know, it's going in there at liberty. Oh, I love it so much. Um, but also anywhere where um, there is a communication breakdown between the horse and the human. So horses like bucking, rearing, bolting, spinning, napping, farrier handling, vet handling, injections, uh, trimming or clipping or main pulling or anything where the person hacking is another one as well that I do a lot of um, confidence building for people particularly who um, are anxious about getting on horses I've done a lot of stuff with people who I've had this horse for three years and I haven't done anything with it I'd really like to get on and do something but I'm really scared you know so dealing with the anxiety around um you know just getting on horses and riding horses and you know fears of being bolted with and stuff like that you know there's a whole spectrum of stuff that I do I don't do the traditional things like you know kind of dressage jumping pole work and all that sort of stuff there are those elements that come into the stuff that I teach but I'm not um I'm using more relationship and behavior kind of and psychology to help people have harmony with their horses and mm. um, what are the most tricky problems to solve would you say the people um <laughs> <laughs> we are always the problem aren't we like, yeah. with, we an, with anything quite frankly but yes until we get to that resolution I've done like five or six sessions with a person they've gone I've just realized you're not training the horse you're training me I'm like well done for catching up <laughs> um no it's um so yeah <laughs> changing the mindset of the people that's normally the trickiest thing because from a young age when we're around horses it is indoctrinated into us that horses are naughty or bolshy and anytime a horse isn't doing anything we want it's being naughty and it needs discipline and you need to kick on and cling on and all of the rest of it you know all of those things don't let the horse know don't let the horse win show it who's boss all of those myths about horses that's what I'm trying to change but the most difficult horses to deal with are traumatized horses and traumatized horses are ones that have had routine and systematic abuse over years and for a, a horse to be traumatized there are things that we so where a horse perceives trauma and where we perceive trauma can be very different so we can look at a case of neglect so a horse has been starved and we can go that horse must be traumatized because of that the horse is more likely to be traumatized because of the treatment of people, not the effects of people. So if a horse, so um, competition horses as well, they can suffer a lot of trauma. A horse that is turned, that does nothing but is kept in a stable 24 hours a day, then someone turns up and ride it and then they take it over a course of jumps then it goes back in the stable. It doesn't have turnout. It doesn't have friends to play with because it's too valuable. So it has to be have everything kept intact. Those horses, when a horse's natural needs are not met, that's what can cause a trauma response in horses. And um, I deal with um, quite a few of those actually. And they're normally the ones, they're normally the exceptions to the rule. They're normally the ones that take a little bit longer to get through. When you've got a traumatized horse, you have to give it as many good experiences as it's had bad experiences just to break even before you can build on the good experience. So you're not going to resolve it in a session. You need to be consistent with that horse and show it every single day, every single time it gets worried or anxious or scared that you're not going to be that person, that you're going to do the best thing for it. 
and it takes a long time for that horse to go do you know what I don't think she's going to eat me now <laughs> like I think we're going to be all right and it can take a while to come through but those are definitely some of the most rewarding cases and they're the horses that get binned off by everybody else as being a problem horse um, but actually it comes down to trauma yeah absolutely so interesting yeah yeah um and you, you've mentioned you're going to be running some webinars um, for us. And uh, you mentioned the, the content of the first one, which is going to be about loading. Um, yes. So, as you said, already your specialist subject. So you've worked with loading a lot, I believe. What's been your biggest win in a, okay. with a horse that wouldn't load? Okay, well, I've got <laughs> all of them. No, I've got. So, <laughs> right. So, do you know, there's nothing that I, there's, the thing with loading is that they're, also terrified whatever behavior the horse is presenting it is fear based whatever you think it is it's fear just remember that when you come to loading a horse and so there's been a couple of cases so there was one there was a little mare called ellie and ellie was owned as part of a herd of 12 by a lovely couple um their daughter actually i go out she lives in ireland and i go out to teach her in ireland and i run workshops and clinics out there as well now and um, so the, the yard that they were at was going to be shut down and they were tra transitioning from livery to kind of like cattle and pigs. And so they were shutting down. So all the horses were going to move to the daughter's place in Ireland. And Ellie, this little Arabian chestnut mare, Arabian type, cross chestnut mare. And she had never she was 12 years old she'd never been backed she'd always lived a part of that herd she'd been really well handled but she'd never loaded and so there's 12 horses and the transporter had already taken two lots of horses over to Ireland and both times Ellie couldn't go because she wouldn't load and she got dangerous so the transporter happened to be a friend of mine she recommended me to the people and we went through a um, confidence building kind of program it actually took a little bit long like now I realized she was one of my first loading cases and I realized like now it happens so quickly, like I can resolve a loading issue, you know, even with a trauma horse in very like relatively quickly, like I mean, in a session or in a couple of sessions at the most, like this was this was like a long series. I was like, we'll get used to this and this and this. And, we, you know, I took her through everything like really gradual and built it up to it. And last year she actually got to go to Ireland. She got to go to um, to live with the daughter out there I'm actually going out to teach there in September so I'll get to see her again and seeing that little horse like just loading up onto and it was amazing because the daughter was on um she was on Skype to the parents while I was there doing the session and the very first time that Ellie walked onto my trailer the daughter was watching and I just heard her go oh my goodness like this and I was like oh my heart my absolute heart and the other one was a horse that I've worked with recently which is a little bit north of here and he was an ex-competition horse and he'd always, he's always loaded and traveled, but he'd actually, um, he'd gone to a loan home and he'd scrambled on the box. So he'd actually dropped down and started scrabbling on the box. And um, then they were frightened to transport him. And actually when he was getting in there, he'd, he'd go in, but he'd get really panicked and he'd pour and pour and pour. And you could see that he'd start to foam up. And, you know, even when he started to drive him, he just, he just wasn't getting it. And we went through, I actually saw them, regularly I gave them all of my cancellation slots so I could get to them regularly you know to help this horse and by the end you know he was loading he was standing and he was traveling and his feet were not moving and it was amazing to see this horse that, and he was 19 years old as well so to reverse all of those years of him just being bunged on a box and going you know to reverse all of it was just an incredible feeling 
it's an it's an amazing thing because it just unlocks so much fun that you and your horse can have if you can trans you know if you can take yeah. it somewhere um and so it's wonderful to see them so much more relaxed because it can be quite I'm sure it can be quite stressful when you yeah. first experience a lorry so yeah what an amazing gift that you've got wonderful wish oh. I'd met you when I had my first pony she was about an hour an hour and a half every single time <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Go, oh you love the loading webinar <laughs> oh I love and she used to and then she used to get on and say well yes I'm fine actually <laughs> so you weren't an hour ago. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I I have I wish someone was there to take a video or a picture of me. I have sat on when I had a trailer, I have sat on the trailer ramp holding on to my horse's um lead rope, sobbing in my competition <laughs> gear. Okay. I just wanted to take you and have some fun. And she's like, <laughs> Yeah, brilliant, that worked. Back in the field then. <laughs> <laughs> They always Love know when them. you've got a plan. Oh, <laughs> yes, oh, yes. So from our memories to your memories, what would be your most memorable horsey moment so far, would you say? Do you know what? I don't. I think it would be pretty impossible to pick a memorable moment. I think every day I get a new memorable moment. Like I said, it all started, you know, 14 years ago when I just wanted to lead Dell from the stable to the field and I was like yes that's the best moment ever and the next day I changed his rug in the field I was like yes that's the best moment ever you know a week or so ago I stood on Regalo's back the best moment ever we've you know we were cantering bareback and bridles I've taken him over Cannock Chase we've been to the beach you know all of these moments it's just like the best moment ever you know this with my horses and with everybody else's horses it's just like I have such in order to do my job really well, I have to connect emotionally with every person, every horse. So I'm so invested in all of their journeys. But to see horses that were considered dangerous and people have been told they'd never be able to ride them without a pelham and all the rest of it. And now they're riding bridleless, you know, and I get just as much pleasure from helping other people achieve things that they didn't even know they wanted to achieve until I put a seed into their head, you know, you know. <laughs> you know what do you mean you can't ride it without Pelham you could ride him with this thing on his head and they're like really and I'm like allow me to show you you know and we go through that and it's just the best thing I don't think I could pick a single memorable moment and my head is just full my head and my heart are full of memorable that's a moments. nice problem to have to have so yeah, many wonderful moments and more to come I'm so sorry yeah. I'm so happy in my job oh amazing <laughs> talking about your job and um, what if somebody wanted to follow a similar career path what what would you suggest what advice would you give them um I so the advice that I would be is to follow your heart and do go with your intuition and do what you feel is right for you and for your horses and do not let anybody tell you that what you're doing is wrong or that that's the biggest thing that we come up against, especially doing what I'm doing, doing something alternative. Like I had all of it. I had people putting their two pence with, I had people telling me that I was wrong and, you know, and, and, and giving me feedback while I was doing stuff that on stuff that they didn't even know what I was doing, you know, and I was like, but that's not what I'm doing. They're like, Oh, right. I thought you were. I'm like, then shut up. So we're not, I'm not good with judgmental people, but um, it's to just know in your heart, of what you feel is right follow there are so many different avenues out there when it comes to natural horsemanship if you like and um and different ways of being with horses is 
to make sure that whatever you're following just sits right with you and do your research and follow it around. You know, there are times when I've followed somebody for a bit and I've gone, mm, actually, you know, the more I've followed, the more involved I've got. I don't really like the ethos and, you know, and then followed somewhere else. And actually really what I settled on really was just following the horse and, and seeing what, and that was what worked for me. But don't ever let anybody dull your sparkle or tell you you're a yellow starburst when you're a pink one, that sort of thing. You know, it's just like, <laughs> just, just follow, follow your heart and do what's, what you feel is right. That would be the biggest piece of advice I would give. Yeah, brilliant. And I, I think you know, that's really part of Horse Fest is, you know, to, we, we don't want people to be judged or to, to no. feel that there is judgment. And also that there's only one way because there are so many different ways yeah. that you can approach things and everyone's circumstance will be different um, yeah. and therefore everybody will have to do something in a slightly different way and you know, that's okay uh, yeah yeah definitely. and I, that's what I truly believe as well that's what I tell to my people to my clients to my students to my followers is that they're when you're picking somebody to help you with your horses you're picking a method or something that you want to follow is that it's a very individual and personal choice. And just because it's not right for somebody else and just because somebody else couldn't do it or it didn't work for them because they didn't execute it in the way that they needed to for it to work, doesn't mean that it's not right for you and your horse. And, you know, it might be that people come to, I've had people come to me for a bit and then I, they get to a point where I, it's outside the scope of my remit. You know, people want confidence building and they want to feel safe on the horse and walk, trot, trot and canter and hacking. I can do that for you, but then they want to do dressage. So then they have to move on to a dressage coach. I can't coach them with that. And I think it would be foolish and kind of like, you know, a little bit mean and sour of me to go, well, you need to stay with me and I'm going to try and teach you this thing that I know nothing about. <laughs> you know, it, there's a whole world out there. You know, I have jump lessons with a traditional jumping coach and she takes on board what I do and we work together. So she gives me, she says, I don't really instruct you, I coach you. So she tells me what the task is and what it needs to achieve. And I use my own like methods and techniques and skills with it. And we work together and we learn from each other. And it's amazing that as equestrians, we should be working together, not having, which is why my um, slogan is natural to practical, because I hate that natural traditional divide, like the, the, the both are spitting at each other. I just want to show that good horsemanship is good horsemanship and it can benefit everybody, whether you're using it just to load to go to a competition or whether you're on a horsemanship journey and you want the most incredible liberty work with your horse. Amazing. Yeah, brilliant. Um, right. I'm going to ask you a very traditional horse tribe question now. Um, have you got a funny story that you can share with us from your time working with horses, but it has to be clean? Oh, okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> it can involve mud, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> all, all, all the hilarious stories are not clean. I've got to say, anything involving Regalo in a public place has got to be that I, right, okay, so um, I did a, a demo at Child's Arkle Village show, and I had a round pen there, and it was all set up, and it was the first. Uh, it wasn't the first live demo that I'd done, but it was the first demonstration that I'd done where I'd actually been riding and doing liberty work in front of people. So I'm in a showground where it's a very traditional showground, right? And there's me with my like rope halters and Western saddle and all the rest of it and nothing on my horse at all, you know, at some points. And I've got all the, you know, I've got a couple of barrels out and Regalo was on form. And when I say on form, I don't mean he behaved impeccably. I mean, he was the opposite, right? <laughs> and it's always the way. So I've got a crowd of people around this round pen that are watching me and I'm playing with him at Liberty and I've got a pedestal and I've got some barrels and there's a couple of barrels. 
and I send him to jump over these barrels and he, he goes, he goes cantering up to the barrels and then he stops and then he looks at me and he just pushed the barrels with his front leg and he walked through them rather than jumping <laughs> over them, right? And then he looks at me and I was like, I love you so much. Right? <laughs> so I went over to straighten up the barrels. He trots off, right? I go to straighten up the barrels and I hear the laughter erupt behind me and there was a pedestal behind me. He went and stood on the pedestal and he just plonked his feet and he stood up so <laughs> proud and he's looking at my captive audience and he's going, look what I've done to her. And I just I heard the giggles. I came collapsed on the barrels. I was like, well, that's just marvellous, isn't it? So, <laughs> I've got such an amazing connection with my horse and he please don't be filming this people of the general public <laughs> in fact someone was filming it and i've got a copy of the video <laughs> oh brilliant he sounds like he's got a huge sense of humor <laughs> regalo yeah yeah that's what i was calling it at the time <laughs> i love my horse i love my horse i love my horse <laughs> Well, finally, from your funny story to um, we always ask for a relatable top tip. So what would be something that you would pass on to our horse tribe that they could use every day? Okay, so my relatable top tip would be to every time you're with your horse. um, Oh, God, I've got so many. But every time you're with your horse and you see your horse and you greet your horse or anytime you go to touch them or put anything on them to offer them what I call a horseman's handshake. So a horseman's handshake is where you offer the back of your hand to your horse's nose for them to sniff. If they make contact with your hand, you have permission to touch them. If you don't, if they don't make contact, you can still touch them, but they're going to perceive it as rude. So it's a little bit like asking permission to touch. And I have seen relationships changed with horses just by asking permission before you groom your horse. Before don't just you've got to think if it was you. And someone's coming in just and someone who doesn't speak your language ties you to a wall and comes up and starts rubbing a brush all over you'd have some questions <laughs> right <laughs> so, but if someone came and said can i touch you with this and you go yeah sure that's fine so offer offer your grooming brushes to sniff before you rub them on your horse offer your bridle for the horse offer your saddle for the horse to sniff before you put it on them offer your hand for them to sniff before you put the halter on and if they make contact then you and i don't mean you put your hand out and you touch their nose you put them you put it close enough and see if they touch it and if they do just that asking for permission can change a horse's perception about who you are and what you're doing for them i've never heard of that before have you heidi (laughs) Never, but I love I've it. So I can't wait to go outside. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go outside. Okay, straight outside. <laughs> straight outside. Okay, Johnny, Johnny, would you like to touch my? Oh, okay. not and tonight I, then. <laughs> I, and if they don't, I don't ever put, I don't ever force a horse to touch my hand, mm. um, <clears throat> to t- to make contact with me. Even if you, if you, if you go out, don't be offended. It's horses are very honest creatures. Um, we don't realize how much we blast into their personal space and just do stuff. Um, but if they don't, it can even just as much as turning away, walking a few steps away and going back can be enough for the horse to go, no way, she listened, right? <laughs> no way, she understood. And they can come back and touch you. And it's it's just incredible. And I do it multiple times a session as well, especially if I've had to have a bit of a tricky conversation with a horse. I'll offer my hand to sniff to see if they're, offended by what I did or you know those those sorts of things and it's just it's just a really polite way to ask permission to touch the horse but it's getting consent to touch the horse 
I love that. I I know what's going to happen there. I'm going to go outside. I've just put them on a new patch of grass today, and they and now they see me as a suspicious character that might take them away from the new grass. So I'm going to have to do some walking away and turning back for them to go. Yeah. Oh, you're not yeah. bringing us off the grass. That's yeah. okay then. <laughs> yeah, and it's also really good for horses that that don't like to be caught because when you go up and you if you offer them the back of your hand to sniff and they touch it and you just walk away, they're like, whoa. And actually, if you go back and do it a few times, you can normally find that you can catch them then. It's when mm. we go in very direct line, very predator-like and go, I'm going to put this halter on you. And they're like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, watch me. <laughs> yeah, if you ask them if you can touch them, they might say yes. But if you go in and demand to touch them, then they might say no. Oh, I love this. There, well, there we go, audience. We've got quite a few t- tips there all in one go. <laughs> it's because I can't shut up screaming extrovert. <laughs> I well, warned you this would happen. <laughs> before we go, Susie, tell our listeners where they can find you and find out more about what you okay. do. Okay, so at the moment, my, my primary base is on Facebook. And if you um, search Su- Susie School Horsemanship, you'll see that pop up. It's a little... Uh, uh, like a maroon colored logo there with a little yellow horse in it and that's my page there and you can have a look through there you can message me I've got an online membership club which is done through Facebook everything's changing this year for Susie School as well so we're going to be going more website based I don't have a website at the moment and there's going to be a members website and all the rest of it but at the moment the majority of and you can see on my Facebook page you can see all of the so every session that I do with people if they give consent for me to share it all my sessions are on there so you can see what I've worked with on each session with each person and there's also lots of other information bits and I like to go live on there as well because I haven't got any friends so I like to talk to people (laughs) 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 my friends are sick of me I'm always having a little chat or a little rant maybe sometimes (laughs) yeah really oh that sounds really that sounds really good so they can come and see what you're doing as well as as um yeah as catch up with you there well it's been really nice to speak to you Susie we could speak all evening actually we could do breaking out the gin quite frankly (laughs) (laughs) yeah carrying on the chat so uh, thanks so much for helping our listeners and our audience our horse tribe get to know the expert a little better the person behind the expertise and we're so excited about your webinar that's uh that's well two webinars that are coming up yes so check us out on www.horsefest.org and have a look at our horse tribe section in the webinars to see what Susie's up to and um we'll we'll see you then and we'll also see at the festival next year so bye for now thank you so much for having me thank you yeah take care bye thank you for listening to the horse fest podcast we'd love you to subscribe rate and review the podcast and share it with your horse tribe Keep tuning in for more episodes with elite riders, equestrian experts and special guests.